Hello and welcome to the Lancet Psychiatry Podcast. Now, a while back, uh, I went to a conference, uh, as I frequently do, on a mental health subject. And at the registration desk, I was proudly presented with a badge reading, Niall Boyce, editor, The Lancet Psychology. Now, confusion between psychiatry and psychology is pretty frequent. I'm afraid that today, The Lancet Psychiatry is going to contribute to that confusion because we're talking about psychology, psychological treatments with Professor Emily Holmes of the Karolinska. Institute in Sweden. And Emily is one of the, uh, the authors and is indeed the lead on the new Lancet Psychiatry Commission on Psychological Treatments Research in Tomorrow's Science. Hello, Emily. Hello, Niall. So why now? Why is this the right time for this sort of commission? Well, I love what you said about the Lancet Psychology badge, actually, because psychology, in, from its inception, I think it's a, it's a complete sister discipline to psychiatry, neuroscience, and so forth. Psychology was defined initially as the science of mental life. So why now is that trying to bring it back to just that, the science of mental life in terms of understanding and improving um, psychological treatments um, and united across fields, whether we also call ourselves Lancet psychiatrists, Lancet psychologists, or whatever um, brand of scientist or practitioner we are. And this is, as you say in the Commission, a real moment uh, of opportunity in terms of psychological treatments to, uh, to provide uh, new therapies for patients. Because at the moment, you know, frankly, from the pharmacological point of view, the pipeline's looking fairly dry for psychiatry. I think one of the things that I've learned from both, both our fields is that a lot of progress was made some decades ago. And um, the basic new paradigms coming through have slowed down both in psychiatric and psychological treatments, it can be argued. So now's a really good time to re-energize uh, and can think, how can we see further? How can we build on the great things that we already have, but go further to improve our technique? And you've assembled quite the team to answer this question. It's not just psychologists. I've noticed there are some psychiatrists in there, some people who do uh, what I call the more basic neuroscience research. Yep, and indeed um, pharmacology and different people with different expertise and different backgrounds, for example, like technology or, or development. Yeah, we were really lucky. We were able to, many of us, many more than actually here in this just author list, first meet together in um, December 2015, which we're grateful to the, the Lancet offices for hosting our, our large crowd of people from different backgrounds. And then from that process, taking out the key themes that people got to talk about further, drive forward, and then write up together in this commission um, over the time since then. And of course, that, that meeting was, was sponsored by MQ, uh, the mental health charity, uh, who have been really very helpful and, and supportive uh, through this process of, of producing um, a, a multi-point plan, uh, which has really 10, 10 main parts, which really cover a lot of the major issues in, in psychological treatments research. And uh, one of the, the strongest points, I think, is uh, about really looking for mechanisms and moving away from brand names in psychological treatments. Uh, can, you, can you say a little bit more about that? I think, that um, I think that's really exciting to pick up on the notion of mechanism. And I think it's really important to start by thinking, what do we mean by mechanism? So a mechanism of a psychological treatment is a step or process through which therapy, in this case psychological treatment, may unfold and produces change. So how is it that the intervention that's uh, happening actually leads to the outcome? So it's an explanatory contract. It doesn't, it could be at any level. It could be what's happening socially in the room. It could be to do with emotions, could be to do with memory, could be to do with therapeutic processes, 
could be biological, could be neurological, but we really need to understand the, the causal effects that are causing uh, treatment gains when they are working, as well as try and understand where we need to improve things. And I think a mechanistic understanding for all scientists is a really important foundation uh, in driving a field further. One of the things which I've been very interested in uh, recently is, is Catherine Harmer's work uh, and specifically her moving um, psychological science and uh, neuroscience closer together. So one thing again about this commission which you seem to be saying is that it's not a case of um, psychology versus psychiatry, it's not a case of biological versus psychological, but more as to how these disciplines can talk to each other and can even work together. Um, I think you're exactly right, Niall. So I think what, what's really interesting is to look at more about what we have in common rather than what we have separately. And what we share is an interest in mental health science. So um, the research pertaining to how we understand mental health, how we understand treatment. Um, and indeed, Catherine Harmer is one of the, the authors in this piece, and there's some, a very nice uh, part on the notion of combination treatments and shared pathways, like perhaps there are things in common why, for example, a treatment for depression may work through changing behavior, but may also be able to change pathways through changing uh, pharmacology. So if we work together, that helps us get into the bottom of the science of mental life and improving things, whereas um, I'm not sure it's always productive to see ourselves in, in silos or as separate maybe we're more similar than we think. And another potential collaboration which, which you note in this commission is technology. And I know that's something that you've worked with yourself, specifically with um, refugee populations in Sweden. We're starting to do that work. And I think, again, a mechanistic view lends yourself to, to something. You can change a process. Things can be better, but it doesn't always need to be done the, the same way. So, uh, for example, in Sweden um, and also countries like the Netherlands, Pim Kuypers and also an author here, treatments that could be delivered on the internet which have psychological and behavioral components but perhaps don't need a face-to-face -face therapist are showing um, good efficacy and they also open up new methodologies for understanding how and why they're working so yes i think technology is one of the, the many interesting things to understand treatments but importantly and a target dairy also in, in sweden has written on this if we're trying to think about reaching to improving treatments ultimately at a worldwide scale, we need to think outside the box of traditional mental health services and uh, people visiting a, a specific clinician. Technology might be exactly the sort of part of the repertoire in expanding the provision um, of mental health services. And to back to your point on refugees, in fact, Lancet Psychiatry, I noted, has published a piece, for example, saying, um, many people may travel, for example, with their smartphone as part of their um, journey as a refugee. And so we can find technological ways of delivering and forming um, assessments and treatments. And this is a really important area for the future. Uh, but of course, underpinning this all has to be the evidence base. And I mean, psychology is, uh, like psychiatry, a very controversial area. In uh, the past, 
couple of years, we've seen some of the uh, basic findings in psychological research called into question with the, the so-called uh, replication crisis. Um, and then there are also all sorts of issues to do with uh, designing and implementing trials. All of the usual things that we can do with drug trials, for instance, we can't do with psychological trials. Uh, placebo is very difficult. Um, masking is very difficult. And one of the sections of the Commission covers this uh, rather controversial area. It has, and we're very grateful, for example, to um, co-authors like Tony Morrison in driving this debate forward. We're nowhere near the end of this debate. It's a, a wonderful start to put it on the table. And I think, again, taking a scientific prep, prep point of view, you're quite right. Science needs to look at what we're doing and ask how can we do this better, whether we're running an experiment or whether we're doing a trial. Um, and I think developments of methodology in this area will strengthen the field and ultimately be good for everybody. And there's lots, lots of lessons to be learned uh, from both sides. Um, so I, I see this as a, a really important uh, line of inquiry uh, in the years to come. It'd be great to see more methods work. And speaking of the future, can you tell us about the, the significance of the plinth? <laughs> One of the pictures in the commission is a picture, actually it's a fairly grey London day in Trafalgar Square. And for many, many years in Trafalgar Square, there's been a plinth in one of the corners, and that plinth doesn't have a statue on it. All the other plinths do. But what happens in the London contemporary art world is that there's a uh, artist can put a sculpture on that plinth through a competitive process, and it's scrutinised and then considered and debated, and some stand the test of time and some don't. And I guess in my own work, I always work with imagery, but I, I suppose what's really important is that um, psychology is still a very young science, if you compare us to you know, physics or chemistry. And, and in all disciplines of science, we need to continue to be putting questions up for scrutiny, not, not taking everything as, we shouldn't throw everything away. Some statues really stand the test of time. That's important. But some things, and you refer to branding, perhaps that's not so helpful. Perhaps we, you know, we can put up new ideas, debate them, hopefully allow, you know, we want to allow enough innovation for ideas to be fresh and to be moving the field forward. So we don't want to knock everything off a print at one go, but provide a metaphor for reflection, thought, and scrutiny in a good way. That's uh, where we can move the field forward. There's does that sort of, I don't know if I've been able to explain that metaphor as, sim uh, as quickly as I wish to, but does, does that make sense, Niall? Well, someday our plinth will come. <laughs> but I think it's one of what science has always done to some extent, so it's just a way of just reminding ourselves that is what we're doing in our business. Thank you. And, and clearly this is an ongoing conversation. Uh, this commission isn't the last word. It's more uh, really prompting how we're going to think about psychological treatments in the future. And thank you very much, uh, Emily, for taking the time to, uh, to, to talk today on the podcast. Now, if you as the listener would like to join the conversation, you can go to our website and download a copy of the commission for free. You can also, uh, if you happen to be in Stockholm, come along to the Karolinska for the launch event, which is on the morning of Friday the 16th of March. And we're also having a Twitter chat, which will be on Monday, the 19th of March. And for that, we're using the hashtag seeing further. And you can, of course, as ever, follow our Twitter account at The Lancet Psych. But for now, thank you very much for downloading this podcast. Thank you for listening. And I hope you'll join us again next time. Goodbye.